Well, greetings to you. This is your TLA podcast. I'm your host, Beth Turner. Our guest today, Suzanne Richmond, joining us from Vermont, and then David Kopaz joining us from Seattle. And welcome to you both to today. I want listeners to know a little bit about you, so I'm just going to share little bite-sized pieces for them in just this brief span of time that Suzanne is a self-confessed recovering academic. She had a founding um, educational role at Educational Roots within Goddard College, also located in Vermont. She is a passionate teacher within such realms as um, ethnobotany, social and ecological medicine, community health systems, trauma, and also transformational leadership. David calls himself a student and also a teacher of change and transformation. He is interested in the growth of individuals and also with systems. David is a doctor and a psychiatrist, and he is known for his work with veterans. We welcome both of you today. Thank you for being here. And David, I just want listeners to know um, kind of the genesis of this discussion, which had to do with an invitation to really um, deeply consider the rush to return to normalcy. A little bit about that thought or that statement. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Um, you know, my friend Steve Hunt had said to me one night, we need to start a movement. It's not about going back. It's about transforming into the future. And so this got me thinking about this sort of rush to normality or rush to return. And if you think about the hero's journey, actually, when you have a call to adventure, the refusal of the call is where you try to go back to normal, back to how things were. But if you accept the call, you accept the invitation, you actually cross a threshold where all of a sudden things are very disorienting. Nothing is as it was before. And the treasure, the boon that you get is when you go deeper and deeper into that disorientation until you find something within yourself that then you can, that heals yourself, heals your disorientation. But then when you bring that back to society, it helps society take on a new perspective and to have uh, new growth within society. It's like kind of coming like back with, um, you know, with an elixir and you look at all the good stories, you know, the things that they come back with. If we take the, if, first of all, if you accept the call, you know, and the invitation, um, but there is this op, op, you know, the option to refuse, you know, the call. And I just wanted to, you know, to ask Suzanne about some of the things that she heard you say, David, and her thoughts on um, what happens if we choose not practice taking a breath here and instead refuse the invitation to pause and examine and rush back into the so-called normal Suzanne. As I was listening to David, I heard a question in my mind. How's that working for you in terms of ways of life? How are you living? How are you feeling about your life? How are your relationships? How is your nourishment quotient for the day? Are you getting enough? Um, how is How are your dynamics with your kids or your dog or your community, your workplace? You know, at, do we even take the time to ask ourselves those questions inside of ourselves and see what we'd like to transform on, on the mundane, the regular down-to-earth ways we occupy time and space in our communities? How's that working for you? And I think this period of um, disruption, of so-called separation, of containment, um, in the time of 
social distancing, what so many now like to call physical distancing, is actually a time of getting closer to ourselves so we have time to reflect on some of these questions. What's happening in our life? What kind of processes do we need to build a more peaceful, calm, loving, kind, creative, relational life? And that's where my mind goes when I think about what David was saying, sort of on a pragmatic level. How do I break that down? So that would be for the, um, you know, I'm just hearing that that if a, a choice not to, you know, take that invitation or say yes to that, there would be, you know, a loss of an opportunity for very practical questions, um, chances or opportunities for personal growth, um, better relationships, you know, within your household, within your community. And um, David, how about what are your thoughts on this? Um, you know, we don't want to focus on negative, but, you know, the refusal to say yes to the invitation, what could some of that fallout be if we don't take this time? I think it, in some ways it could be just more of the same, of feeling that our lives were not our own lives, that we were continually responding and rushing and always a little bit off balance, always trying to push ourselves into the future to be more productive. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about resilience and burnout. And in some ways, when we think about resilience in healthcare, we think, how can we make people more adaptable and more productive? But what if to be resilient, we need to be less productive? And I think that's something that this virus kind of is teaching us or asking us this question, how productive do you need to be to be happy? And how much of what you were doing was for yourself and was for something else? Um, Viktor Frankl says something like, you know, between stimulus and response, there's a choice. But I think so much of the way we were living our lives was we weren't slowing down and pausing to see in that liminal space, the space between stimulus and response, we actually have a choice. So we were just in a continually amplifying reflex arc of responding and responding and responding. So now the question is, you know, what is our response? How do we want a response consciously um, with intention? And yes, and the, the other part of his quote is just in that space and within that choice rests all of our power um, and also all of our growth, right? So that's a, um, you know, and Suzanne, you were, you know, just reflecting on some of the things that David said, and then also in a practical way, you know, about resiliency, about maybe not doing as much, maybe resiliency is not about um, the quickness of bouncing back quickly, just in order to go back to what was. Um, how about some of the, what would be some of the fallout practically if we don't you know, take this time to practice that pause, you know, the quote from Viktor Frankl, what would you see as some of the fallout if we mm. don't do that? Oh, it's such a deep, rich question. It, you know, liminality is a place of inner work in some cultures where there are rites of passage. And liminality is brought on to cause a person and a participant to remove themselves from the daily rituals and activities of the village, of the community, of the workplace. And in our modern, you know, in modernity, our hamster wheels, 
So if we are at a place of pause, why are we putting ourselves through that? And many will say, and, and I think there's a Dutch ethnographer who wrote early um, in the like I say, 1910, 1920, around um, what rites of passage are, said, um, without that place, we can't become the new emergent self. That separation, so that from the, the busy world or the, the daily world, puts us in a place of reimagining ourselves by letting go and letting go and letting go or thrashing about so that we can let go of the old seed coat that leaves us too small. And if we don't thrash about and let go of the seed, the little hard seed coat on our being, something that is trying to be born, a shoot, a, a root, a new plant, won't be able to emerge. So we're really losing an immense potential if we don't take pause time. And in our Western culture, we certainly haven't had many opportunities to do that. And using that, and I'm just not really even a metaphor because I think you're doing work on your land, you know, in your homestead right now. What, just tell me, tell us more, you know, tell me more about that seed coat and um, what happens if the rite of passage, you know, doesn't really happen, you know, that seed coat, what happens? Oh, the seed will die, whether it's the seed of a calling, the seed of an idea, the seed of a literal new garden in the backyard. You know, I can think it, I can dream it, I can imagine it, but what if I don't, you know, and I, what if I don't bring it about through my good work or my right livelihood, to use the Buddhist term that Karen Goldberg and Laura Packer work with um, in the TLA network? And what if we don't, what if we don't quiet our mind enough and enter into the architecture of silence to listen for the calling? And then what if we don't listen for how we're to bring that calling back to the world? Because that same Dutch ethnographer, Arnold van Genning, van Gennep, when speaking about rites of passage said, after one goes into that place of liminality, of thrashing about, of entering the threshold of the new story or the new potential, there is that process of re-emerging into the world and bringing back the gifts that were found, the calling that was heard. And David, just to hear, you know, some of this with, um, with what Suzanne had mentioned, there's, I mean, I feel it, you know, I think people would feel it, but it's uncomfortable that thrashing about is, and, and the uncertainty is um, what what would be practical or a helpful mind frame to say that, you know, to say yes to the call and to go ahead is worth the price, so to speak, unless you have some different words you want to use there. I, I like what Suzanne said about the architecture of silence, of how can we create a capacity for silence and I think related to that is how can we create a capacity to be present with suffering, you know, to bear witness with suffering, our own suffering, the suffering of everybody with coronavirus right now, the suffering of people for economic reasons. And um, what we could miss out, I think, is 
we don't have initiation or liminality in our modern, quote, normal society. Everything moves so quickly. And to enter into that architecture of silence, to create that space for silence means being between two things and being comfortable with disorientation, um, bec becoming, developing a greater capacity for um, uncertainty and a greater capacity for chaos to allow the creative aspects of chaos to emerge forth. So I think what we lose is spirituality, a sense of a living spirituality, um, an experience of spirituality, if we do not create these liminal spaces and um, accept this call into initiation. And I did want to get some, um, you know, some final thoughts. It, it reminds me of a of a story of about a woman who had found a moth and I think it was, and I'm going to not speak it or pronounce it. I think it's sarcopian moth. One of the beautiful, powerful, is that the right, you said, you said, uh, is that the right, the right term, Suzanne? I, I'm, I'm envisioning yeah. that moth right Zacropia. now, but I can't tell you the, the term. Yeah, I think it's Zacropia. Okay, thank mm. you. And actually, my grandmother had them, you know, there were some, I remember on the back porch, but it was just a story of a woman who saw it struggling and was like, "Ooh, I just need to help this come out of its cocoon. I can't bear to watch this anymore, because I think something bad is going to happen. How is it ever going to come out of that tiny, tiny hole? So she took these little picking shears and just cut just tiny pieces of thread. Mm -hmm. And the moth was um the moth was born but it could not fly um its abdomen dragged on the ground and you know she didn't know that it was that tension that discomfort that whirling and rushing around that pumped all of the blood into its wings that first of all gave it color and then also gave it the ability to fly so it just reminded me you know a little bit about what both of you were you know, we're, we're sharing and even in our effort to try to make somebody else's discomfort, you know, more bearable, we may not be doing a great favor, you know, in this time. So those things, you know, all wrapped up together, you know, I just wanted to leave you some space, Suzanne and David, just for some, you know, some parting thoughts. Oh, what a story. And it's, uh, it's a wonderful biological, ecological, human moth story of, and a family story. It's your grandmother and her little pinking shears. And oh, it's amazing because right now a lot of people are reflecting on the nature of chrysalis and the goo that's inside when we are between caterpillar to butterfly. It's, it's a pretty common metaphor uh, that something beautiful is going to be born from that time in the dark. And your story brings it home into an ecological, uh, the ecological paradox of your grandmother trying to help, but at the same time, not quite knowing what nature is trying to teach us until she realized, and you realized through, and we realized through hearing the story from you that some things need to be waited for to be beautiful and to be right. We need to be patient. David, any, you know, any, any parting thoughts on things we've talked about for listeners right now? 
I think that idea of being patient and understanding what's happening before you jump into movement sometimes. The rush to fix something, to the rush to force or control something back to normal can have a lot of terrible consequences. Um, there's a quote attributed to Einstein about if, if you use the same tools to fix a problem that were used to create the problem, you, you, you don't get anywhere. And so the idea of like even things like, should we inject bleach into ourselves to kill the virus? You know, that's a type of extreme um, reflex thought that if we do this, you know, it'll fix things. But actually that would um, lead to destruction. And so this, this uh, rush to fix could actually create more destruction. And there is, there's the message within that too, you know, just reading recently myself about, um, you know, somebody who was, was very, very sick and then there was a cure and it was the rush to get back. And it's like, did that make the illness or the sickness completely irrelevant just because the cure came along? And then that became the whole focus was just how to fix. And there was, um, you know, there was a message in that in that illness, as both of you had pointed out, you know, a message or as a teacher, you know, within COVID and to sit with the uncomfortableness, the discomfort in order to birth or bring forth something new. So thank you, both of you. I just want, um, you know, I want listeners to know that there is more, you know, on this topic because um, you will also uh, talk a little bit about what it is like, you know, when we really embrace this invitation not to rush to return. So we're going to be building on that. And I also want listeners to know that for a more rounded version of the topic and its genesis, um, to please listen to the part that is entitled The Call, The Invitation. And that is actually the first part in the series with David and Suzanne today. So again, my thanks to both of you and, um, you know, and for your message specifically today, and also to the much wider message that TLA does carry that um, we, you know, as a network are devoted to creating new and meaningful ways of being together at this time, even while we're apart. 